0: This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, a wild and wacky week eight saw four games with completely different outcomes. The Toronto Rock continue to roll. The Mammoth and Rush face off in the Mile High City on Friday night. Robert Church and Nick Rose will stop by. And I ask you, who's the best off-ball player? All that more on OTCB. What is good, lacrosse fans? And welcome to another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast here on SoundCloud and NLL Radio. My name is Teddy Jenner. Thanks for checking in. Housekeeping things at Off the Crossbar is the Twitter account. Email me jenner at gmail.com. And if you play Fortnite, I am Teddy Ruxpin. Come find me. I'll be in Loot Lake. If you're not up to date on Fortnite, there might be a couple times during this interview where you're scratching your head trying to figure out what Robert Church and I are talking about. If you are aware of Fortnite, please tell me you're as addicted as I am. Because I had no idea what Fortnite was until Instagram and Barstool learned me. And now that I have it on my PS4, I am completely hooked. Every other game that I have has sat idle while I try and get my first Fortnite win. Hasn't happened yet. I'm still trying. I'm also still trying to do a radio podcast here. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk some lacrosse. Uh, Robert Church will join us, as mentioned, as will Nick Rose one of the hottest goaltenders in the National Lacrosse League right now, playing for one of the hottest teams, the Toronto Rock, who have completely flipped their season upside down since their first two games. In those two games, they were held to nine goals. Since those two games, they haven't scored less than 17, as many as 24, and have given up as few as seven. In the contest. We're going to talk about The Rock. Um, for quite a bit on this show, I also have a Tom Schreiber discussion I would like to get to. All stemmed off of a tweet from Tyson Geike from the NLL and NLL Relax. It's sort of how you view it kind of discussion. Glass half full, glass half empty kind of thing. We'll also ask you... Who do you think is the best off-ball player? Which stems from a tweet from a good friend, Ty Pilsen, who said that after Dane Dobie scoring his roughneck leading career point, 687 at the time, is Dane Dobie the best off-ball player in NLL history? Which is a very interesting conversation, because there have been some really, really good off-ball players. So we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, Before we get sort of too far into the show, I want to remember one of the things I forgot to do last week, and that was to give a massive, massive shout-out to a guy who doesn't often get a lot of credit um, outside of the circles that give him credit, social media. Some lacrosse people, a lot of lacrosse people actually reached out and congratulated Craig Grubzinski on calling his 300th straight lacrosse game, playoffs and regular season, for the Rochester Nighthawks two weekends ago when Rochester was in New England. That was his 300th straight game. Incredible. And he's just going to keep on calling more. And he does a wonderful, wonderful job. One of the longest serving. Voices in the National Lacrosse League. I think maybe only John Gertler has been in the league longer. And many have known this story, but I owe a lot to Craig Rybzynski. Not only did he help me learn how to write sports articles and stories because he was my teacher at Mercyhurst College. Many people don't know that. He was also a sports information director there, assistant sports information director. When he got to Rochester, I got there kind of right around the same time when they drafted me. And one game, I believe we were in Ottawa, correct? We were in Ottawa, uh, up in Canada. And I was a healthy scratch. I believe it was my second year in the league. And Ripper asked me if I wanted to ride shotgun with him on the broadcast, and that was my first ever National Lacrosse League color commentator gig. I think I got two beer tickets out of it. But I have a lot to thank, be thankful for, for Craig Grubzinski and all that he uh, did for me, helped me along the way, Um, was always kind enough to send me to radio stations uh, when I was in Rochester uh, just to get on air and talk to people and do sort of the, the community rounds. I always enjoy doing anyway, because as you can tell, I like to talk. But there aren't too many guys as professional, as kind, as generous as Craig Gribzinski. So I uh, just wanted to give him a massive, massive shout out because 300 straight games is quite incredible. And I have a long way to go. So do many of us who put on the headset to call National Cross League games. And so one day, here's hoping that I can join Ripper in the 300 club. So let's kind of circle the wagons here and and focus back on what the heck just happened in Week 8. It all kicked off Friday night in Colorado where the Mammoth took on the Vancouver Stealth, and many people thought that this was a game the Stealth were going to have troubles with, especially when we learned that there was going to be no Logan Shuss, No Justin Salt, no Joel McCready. And yet, they played probably and arguably one of their best games of the year that Friday night. Down 2-1 after one, come back and outscore Colorado 6-3 in the seconds to take a 7-5 lead at half. And then the teams would trade goals and the lead, I think, seven different times in that game. And the whole second half was a goal and then a run, a couple goals and then another run. And unfortunately for Vancouver, it was a two-goal run started by Jeremy Noble that did them in. Well, they got a few set plays I know they work on. It. It's just whether or not they get the ball to the right guy in the right spot. Noble scores! I think that's the right guy, Junior.
1: Yeah.
0: He... And Noble ties things up at 13 with about 24 remaining. Don't go anyway. That goal tied things up at 13. Jeremy Noble would score nearly a minute later with just 31 seconds left to steal a victory for the Colorado Mammoth out of the grasp of the Vancouver Stealth. Vancouver had that game. Casey Jackson tied it with about five minutes left or just under. Tony Malcolm gave Vancouver the lead with two and a half to go. But the Noble Show, stepping up at big times when needed, scores back-to-back his second and third of the game. To give the Colorado Mammoth, a much-needed win. At that time, it vaulted them back over Saskatchewan for first in the West. Well, they actually tied them for first in the West. Then Vancouver had to heal their wounds rest their bodies as best they could, get on a plane and fly home to take on the waiting, defending champions, Georgia Swarm. And unfortunately, as valiant an effort as it was, Vancouver would come out on the short end of that one as well, going 0-2 on the weekend, dropping to 1-6 on the season. And miraculously enough, by the grace of the lacrosse gods, they are just a half game behind Calgary for third place in the West. So you're telling me there's a chance. Yeah! Well, now circle back to that Noble clip I played a little bit earlier. And the fact that the first voice you heard was not mine, but it was none other than the great number 24. And let me tell you this. John Grant Jr. did an absolutely incredible job between the benches. However, sometimes he's got to remember to press the cough button. I had to bust Jr.'s chops a few times during the game when he uh, rode in with John Gallant, and I... We put him between the benches uh, on the Altitude TV broadcast his first time uh, doing a TV gig. And I really did think he did a tremendous job. Uh, Once he kind of settled down, got into a rhythm, and realized that he could just explain things in simple terms, and it would come off perfectly well. And he did that. Threw in some humor, a couple chirps, a couple jabs. And like I said, forgot to press his cough button a few times, so we heard... Conversation he was having with Jim Milligan, the Vancouver offensive coach. A couple Peterborough guys getting after it. And we'll get Junior back. He'll be back with us, whether it be between the benches or maybe even one day. If all things work out, we're going to have Junior in the broadcast booth with us one day as well. So uh, tune in for that because if Junior ever gets to be my color commentator, just like when Gavin Prout was mine last year, hilarity will ensue. It'll be great. Junior's one of my all-time favorites. Um, so yeah, that was that was actually a pretty cool thing to have uh, him join the show and be on the broadcast. So he he like I said, he did a great job and that was him sort of setting up that play with Jeremy Noble that I played earlier and he just understood because he's been in that position so many times with that club that Noble likes to orchestrate, likes to dictate and get to spots where he makes himself available and successful. Okay, let's get back on track. The other three games in the National Lacrosse League were all played on Saturday, and it started off with what was billed as a battle for Eastern supremacy. Well, if you want to just take numbers into account, the Toronto Rock are the extreme Supremes in the East as they absolutely routed the New England Black Wolves 21-9 in a game that saw just two penalties. 7.45 into the first and 7.14 into the first, a holding the stick on Joel Coyle and a holding call on Bradley Cree. Those are the only two penalties in an Eastern battle game that was out of hand By the time the fourth quarter started. Unbelievable. What may be more impressive, and I'll put this to a vote, what is more impressive about the Toronto Rock right now? The fact that they have scored over 17 goals a game in their past four contests, or that they've only allowed less than 10 their last Three games. Offense that can score in bunches and a defense that doesn't allow a sniff. This is a Toronto Rock team that is playing with a very desired focus right now. And it is incredible to watch especially the way that this offense has turned things around. And we'll talk about this with Nick Rose in a minute. But when you have Rob Hellyer coming off knee surgery and playing as well as he is, Adam Jones coming to a brand-new team and having a season like he's never had before. And then you get Tom Schreiber. And I'm running out of superlatives. For Tom Schreiber. And yet. I continue to be. In awe. Of Tom Schreiber. Once again. The man who's being labeled. Captain America. And debated. The best player on the planet. Took that game over. Dropped five goals. And seven assists. For a 12 point night. He's had double digit points in two of his last three games. He scored no less than four in his last three games. And when he put in five on Friday night, it was a little bit of everything.
2: Ham Jones, cross-floor pass, connects. Tom Schreiber. Schreiber off his back oh, foot. Captain my. America with a laser. Five-two Toronto. Schreiber bounces off and Went off his back foot again. It's a fresh 30, Schreiber! Scores! Oh, and a fist pump! Captain America on fire right there! Crowley has two, Brock has two, including a short-handed one. And Schreiber, whoa! And Schreiber took a cheap shot afterwards. He does a back roll up, a hat trick for 26. Back to McCardo. Oh no, Schreiber! Captain America does it again! Fourth of the night! Dangerous pass. Jokum didn't see it. And Shri- are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Tom Schreiber leaping through the air, does a front somersault afterwards. The Superman died from Captain America. How many superheroes can he pull off tonight? My goodness.
0: Tom Schreiber is playing on a completely different level right now. And the arguments of is he the best player in the world are valid. You can make a case for Mark Matthews, who I think is probably 1A. But what Tom Schreiber continues to do is still awing people. And when Toronto slowly started to take over that game, you could just see how in control of not only himself he was, but of his team. And how everybody really rallies around him. And he picked up five points in that fourth quarter. Two goals and three assists. And he's so integral to their offense, balancing things out because he is such a dynamic player in his ability to make one-on-one moves and lose defenders and then step back and shoot off the back heel. That first goal he scored was probably the nicer of his five goals that he scored in that game just because of the move that he put on his defender and where he shot that ball, how he shot it, and putting it short side on Aaron Bold. So Tyson Geick puts out the tweet of it's incredible, to, somewhere along the lines of it's incredible to think that he just keeps on getting better and better. And so I said, is it time we stop saying he's getting better? Well, my argument is that he is one of the best in the world. So to say he's getting better is a little redundant and a little unnecessary because he's that damn good. Yes, he is getting better at indoors and understanding it. But to be honest, last year was his first year, and he got all the better he needed because he came in this year and he's proved that he belongs. And it's just fantastic to see. I'm... I am a 100% Tom Schreiber fan. That guy is incredible. And it's a treat to watch. And, again, this has been something that people have been talking about. Just because now this, you know, we're going to open the door for more Americans with expansion coming next year. And so people have to make sure that they're not thinking, oh, well, I'm just going to step inside and be like Tom Schreiber. No. Tom Schreiber is a very special Lacrosse player. So not everybody is going to step indoors and have immediate success. Look at all the guys with plenty of years of indoor experience and box experience and step in and struggle and fail and don't even make rosters or play fleetingly over six seasons and four teams. (laughs) Me. So... What Tom Schreiber has done is nothing short of phenomenal, but I think we start to need to give him a little credit of just how good he is. Someone that I've had to give a lot of credit to is Nick Rose, and he continues to be a huge part of Toronto's success, and he was again this past weekend. As he out-dueled Aaron Bold. And Rosie made 46 saves on 55 shots and gave up just nine goals. And as I mentioned, his play over the last three games has gotten better. And he'll tell us in a minute that he actually thinks at the beginning of the year, he was still playing quite well. But his game has gotten better. He's right around his career numbers. And he is having a heck of a time between the pipes. And so when I caught up with Rosie, I asked him, In a game that was as sort of lopsided as the scoreboard said, how fun was the contest Saturday night against the Black Wolves?
1: Yeah, that was, uh, anytime you can kind of have an effort against that, or against an East team like that, uh, it's a good sign. And I mean, obviously things are going well for us, but um, the game wasn't really out of hand until the end of the third. So Mm -hmm. it was kind of one of those games where we couldn't really put them away. And then, Finally, uh, we obviously were able to. Everyone's talking about the offensive numbers you guys are putting up, but you put
3: up single-digit goals against in the last three games you guys have played: uh, Vancouver, Rochester, and most recently New England. What's been the key to your guys' defensive success?
1: Um, Yeah, I mean that that's always been the goal. I mean, the first few games we were still kind of trying to click on the back end, as as well as the offense was trying to click up front, but. I, I do think in, uh, getting our transition game back has helped us uh just to kind of speed up some offenses like the with us being able to bury uh bury a lot of transition goals mm-hmm. it kind of kind of makes uh puts the pressure on the offense to not make a mistake and i think uh I think that's really helped us and obviously getting challenged rogers back in there and the trade for Sheldon has kind of helped ignite that and uh yeah, the guys are playing with some confidence and playing tough, and I think uh, that's what we're going to have to do to be, be successful. Uh, uh, I was
3: going to ask you about the Burns trade, because it caught a lot
1: of people off guard to
3: see uh, a long-time Rock member and Steph LeBlanc get shipped for, for Sheldon Burns, the D guy, when at the time, your O was kind of struggling, but how has that, that trade helped you guys, especially in
1: that transition game? Well, yeah, I mean, a- anytime you lose a player of Steph's caliber, I mean, I've played with him a long time. I have nothing but respect for the guy and uh it was definitely weird kind of playing against him on the on the weekend and and uh he had a couple goals and kind of still the same player i i know know him as but there's no question that sheldon has came in and done an unbelievable job for us i mean he hadn't missed a shot until saturday and he still (laughs) ended ended up with two goals in the game so he uh I I knew that he was a good transition player, but I didn't realize how good he was defensively. He's, uh, he's got some great feet. He's patient on defense and, and with the ball, and uh, mm-hmm. I think that kind of calm manner has really kind of given our guys uh, some confidence. One guy that, that I'm sure you're happy to see
3: back is, is Rob Hellyer coming off a, a knee injury, and he's having a great year and now become part of the quote-unquote three-headed monster with with Jonesy and tries, but how good is it to see your good buddy Rob Hellyer, uh healthy and having the success that we've known to see him?
1: Yeah, I mean that's just Robbie. We all know uh, how how hard to, how hard he worked to get back to that position. I mean he played some games in the summertime with us, and he uh, he was still he was looking shifty out there, but he he was just kind of a bit snake bitten with the points. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and then all uh, he's uh, found his game again and might be even a, a little bit better than he was before injury so um yeah it's great to see just because I know what he's put into it to get back out there for us and be there with us and uh yeah it's exciting the real benefactor of the trade that
3: saw, um Steph Blanco has been 007 Dan Craig uh how's the double agent been fitting in and, and it's got to be good to see a young guy like that contributing in, in his
1: first few games Yeah, you know what, I've known Craig for a while, I mean, uh, like I helped with the Junior A Northman, and Mm -hmm. we traded for him his last year, and he's an unbelievable person, and uh, obviously was a great player in junior, and I think he's kind of had a bit of a rough go over the last few summers with injuries and away at school and whatnot, so um, I I think he's kind of found his passion for the game again, uh, getting in there, having a bit of success, and I think... uh, I think he's a guy that uh he works hard. I mean, he's in great shape. He's always been uh, one of the most talented players and I think he just kind of had to find that passion again and uh now that it's there, he's been a huge uh, huge part of it up front and uh I think uh I think he's uh kind of happy to be playing again and
4: yeah.
1: at, at a high level and um yeah, I think uh I think he's definitely kind of help things up front on that left side, uh, bang some bodies around, open up the other guys a bit. And when he gets his chances, he's been burying. So I, I think it's been great for him.
3: Obviously, a uh, big boss man, Jamie Dow, has got, got to be pretty happy that your team, for once, is healthy. Yeah, no,
1: for sure. I mean, uh, for for the most part. I mean, yeah. guys are still a little banged up and whatnot, but uh, we we don't have uh, too many major injuries that are kind of keeping guys out of the lineup um uh, consistently. So it's uh it's always good uh, early in the season uh to have your whole uh roster together and um knock on wood that hopefully that continues. What's what's the bigger surprise for you having been around
3: the lacrosse world for such a long time? The continued success of Tom Schreiber, uh especially this year just kind of finding another level or how easily Adam Jones has fit into your guy's system?
1: Um, I don't know if either are much of a surprise to me mm-hmm. anymore because uh, I, I I played with Jonesy for a long time before uh, the NOL or before mm-hmm. this year, and um, he's always kind of been that player that can kind of score when he <laughs> when he wants to when when he has a a free shooting lane, and um, I think this version of Adam Jones is kind of what he was destined to be in the NOL yeah. and and uh he's making everybody else better around him like he's leading the league in assists as well and I don't think uh people kind of really respected how good he is as a passer before this season but um it's not surprising but uh it is it is good to see him kind of having the year that he's having so far and then yeah I mean I I don't know what I can really say about (laughs) Schreiber that hasn't been said he's he's clearly the best player in the world I don't think there's any real real question about that anymore but um some of his field across highlights are just absurd and then now he's starting to stack up some <laughs> some goals that in in the box game that you're just kind of sit back and wonder how how he did that so um they both been great and I think uh I think they're both kind of happy to share share the success of uh the offense overall and um as long as they kind of keep clicking i think uh i think everything's kind of going to be all right up and up front for us
3: absolutely um more focusing on you now you're, you're having right around your career numbers uh 11 goals against 0.788 save percentage
1: how, how would you grade yourself uh, after the first third of the year um i i think i'm definitely getting better by each game um the, the NL is such a kind of hero to zero and <laughs> vice versa league every each week. Like I, I kind of felt uh, for first two games. I didn't feel too bad actually. Like the the Buffalo game, I felt uh, was one of my better games of the year to start, and uh, we lost thirteen whatever it was. So yeah, um, and then the next weekend, obviously against Sask, I, I honestly didn't feel that bad either, but. They're a uh, pretty potent offense and just kind of one of those ones where we can slow them down and, and whatnot. But I, I do think we're getting better as a group and uh, the defense is kind of allowing, uh, the, well, over this four-game win streak, they're kind of limiting the quality of shots I'm facing. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely feeling confident behind our defense right now. And, uh, yeah, the goal is always kind of to keep teams under 10. And we've done a good job of that the last few games, but... It's still uh, a lot of season left, and we got to kind of focus on Calgary and uh, what we have to do to do that uh, against them.
3: Perfect segue into the game this weekend on Saturday against the Roughnecks. Always a good matchup uh, when you two teams go to battle. Uh, it's been a rivalry uh, for, for many years. What's the focus for you guys against the Calgary team that's kind of struggled
1: this year? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's probably one of the true East versus West rivalries in the in the league. Um, we uh, we can't take them lightly for sure. I mean, even the last few years, uh, they've kind of had a tough start, but they're, they're always a team that's, uh, in my mind, that's well coached and uh, well prepared. But um, we we definitely have to. Uh, speed them up a bit. I mean, there's no question we're at our best when uh, we play fast and transition on offense mm-hmm. and all that. And, uh, and yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully we can continue clicking all over the four, but we, we know we're in for a tough matchup regardless of what their record is. And uh, they've got some great players uh, on offense themselves and doby Westberg, Digby, like all, there's obviously Dixon <laughs> too. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we're gonna have our hands full. We got to be uh, well well prepared. Where we got practice tonight, so we're gonna kind of get back to the drawing board here, yeah. and uh, and we'll we'll be ready for the game. But uh, we definitely have to have a great effort.
3: You mentioned Dane Dobie just became Calgary's all-time leading scorer. You've seen enough of that guy uh, throughout your career to know how
1: crafty of a
3: goal scorer he is. But what makes Dane Dobie so special?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, Doves is, uh, Doves is a man, um, <laughs> played, played with him out west for a while. Um, he's just kind of one of those teammates that you're, you're just in awe of, of how, uh, how hard he's willing to battle to, to help the team win. And he, he takes a beating out there and just kind of keeps coming back for more. And, um, he, he's got great hands. He's got a great shot, but kind of a sense of. I I guess his uh like his knowledge of the game really helps to uh, helps him out there and um yeah I mean I obviously want to extend a huge congrats to him on getting that point record I know uh I know it probably means a lot to him uh, when you he, when you look back on uh, on his career but right now uh he's probably just uh, worried about trying to help his team get a win and that's uh kind of what doves is about so um. yeah, I mean, it's great for him, but hopefully uh, hopefully, Saturday he doesn't extend that record too far, I guess.
3: <laughs> very, very wise words.
1: Uh, you yeah. mentioned your, your work
3: with the original Northman. Uh, uh, how's that going for you? How are you enjoying being part of an executive of,
1: of the junior club that you grew up playing for? Yeah, you know what? I, I love it. I mean, each year I've kind of gotten a bit more involved, and uh, it, it's definitely interesting to see the, the other side of things and be involved with the uh, – Such a high-level team like a junior in uh, in Canada is uh, no joke, and obviously, trying to put together a team to compete for a mental cup year in and year out is uh, it it presents its challenges, but it's uh, also a whole lot of fun, and uh, and I definitely think it's something I'm gonna want to get into once Mm -hmm. I'm done playing, anyways. So um, it's been fun and getting to work with uh, some great people, um, some very knowledgeable lacrosse guys, and. Roosie Cod now this year, Bob Cleever, our general manager, uh, Josh Sanderson's now back involved with us as well. So it's uh, it's been a whole lot of fun, and uh, yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to uh, to that season starting. And um, yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. That's I guess the best way I can, I can describe yeah. it. How's the uh, the rock pile these days? Obviously, the house is filling up with more and more guys, but more and more dogs as well. Yeah, no, there's a lot of bodies around the around the house right now. Um, we got a couple of more BC boys this year that are on our uh, kind of practice roster. So yeah, we're up to basically six guys that, are, that <laughs> play probably, on the team. So we spend a lot of time with each other. We try to kind of not butt heads too often, but uh, some of the stuff is a little natural, I, I'd say. Yeah. But uh, no, things are good. Um, it, it has kind of created a good. C- camaraderie uh, amongst us. And, uh, yeah, we tried to uh, take each day by day and uh, just kind of enjoy each other's company, I guess.
3: No doubt. No do-
1: uh, One final thing before we get you going. Uh,
3: obviously, Saturday night is a big game for you guys, but Sunday will be a nice recover day as the Super Bowl kicks off between the Pats and the Eagles. Uh, who do you got, Brady or those big, ugly birds in green?
1: As tough as it is for me to say this, because I really do not want New England to win another – Super Bowl and tie my Steelers for all yeah. time, but I just I, I can't bet against Brady. I mean, he's proved it year in year out that that he's never out of a game, and uh, like the the success they've had is just I don't I don't know if we're ever going to see it again. So yeah, I, until a team kind of shocks them, like the, the the Eagles definitely have a chance in the game, and and uh, I, I'm not ruling them out, but. Until until I see it with my own two eyes, I'm not counting Brady out.
3: No, smart, smart man. Rosie, always a pleasure, my friend. Uh, Good catching up with you. Best of luck this weekend, and and congrats on a great start to the season.
1: Yeah, no problem. Thanks, Teddy.
0: There you have it, Nick Rose putting all the farm on Tom Brady. I kind of have to agree with him. I just, I just don't want to hear Eagles fans. It's kind of like me never wanting to see the Canucks win because I don't want to listen to Canuck fans. So I'll just let K- Tom Brady keep winning as many Super Bowls as he wants. The guy can can keep on doing it. God bless him. If Belichick can keep on doing it with him, God bless him. I just don't want to see the Eagles win. And someone said to me the other day when I was getting my or the barber when I was getting my haircut. He said, you know, I'd like to, you know, Tom Brady, he can pass the torch. I said, yeah, but Nick Foles isn't the guy he's going to pass the torch to. So um, I, I think the Pats have some success this weekend against the Eagles. But who knows? Maybe we'll be in for a surprise like we've seen in the National Lacrosse League. And again, we've only been through two of the games from this past weekend. And the other two games were split between one being surprising and the other one being, yeah, I kind of expected that. Let's start with the Saskatchewan-Calgary because for the second time in a row, the Rush have had big leads and given them up. Twice, they held six goal leads over the Roughnecks only to have Calgary battle themselves back and get back within that, into that game and force overtime. Calgary was down that whole game. It wasn't until late that they got themselves back into it And Dane Dobie scored with 59 seconds left to force overtime. They were down 10-4 at half. Good buddy, 10-4. But the game winner in overtime by Ben McIntosh was an almost identical carbon copy of Curtis Knight's goal to start the game. Go back and watch the two. The Curtis Knight goal, he gets a massive sort of seal pick-ish from Dinsdale, and Knight just kind of runs right through between two defenders and Dinsdale and scores a goal. Then if you go watch the McIntosh goal, it's identical. Church is the one sort of setting the interference and pick, and McIntosh just sprints from the half boards right between the three of them and gets to the front of the net. So when you go back and you can watch games, one of the great things about NLL TV is the ability to go back and watch, and even when you're watching, you can kind of Just hit the back button and go back a few seconds so you can watch things over and over again. But it's great to see the rush going back to a play that worked for them earlier on in the game. And heartbreak for the Calgary Roughnecks because that was truly a game that I thought they were going to come back and win. And it was going to set up an even bigger momentum matchup Friday night in Denver between the rush and the Mammoth. But you got to feel for Calgary, man. How many one-goal and close game, one-two-goal games has this club lost over the last three or four years? And with that loss, they fall to one in five on the season. Four games back of first place Saskatchewan, and a half game ahead of Vancouver. And there's still some positives to take out of that game. Christian DelBianco may have kind of started a little bit slow once he came in for Frank Shiliano, but he really settled down. He made 14 saves in that third quarter, In that third quarter, Saskatchewan was blanked. Probably Del Bianco's finest 15 minutes in the National Lacrosse League. He still has some tendencies that I don't like. Um, he's, he's as active as he is and athletic as he is. Sometimes I think he's too active, which leaves holes in his goaltending but I really liked how he settled down and he gave Calgary every chance to come back and win that game. But it was Macintosh's game winner that sealed it. And then of course the other storyline from that contest no, not gate was Dane Doby.
3: Riley Lowen, Lowen back to the defender, steps out, takes the shot, takes the shot, scores! Riley Lowen with the goal and Dane Doby is your all-time rough as he moves past Jeff Shatler, congratulations to Dane Doby as he hears it here from the roughhouse.
0: 686 career points, 342 goals, 343 assists for number 44. Congratulations to Dane Doby as he becomes the all-time points leader for the Calgary Roughnecks passing Jeff Shatler, who happened to be on the floor when that goal by Riley Lowen was scored. And Dobie has been with the Calgary Roughnecks his entire NLL career. And he probably will be, I would imagine, for the rest of his career, unless maybe he gets picked up in the expansion draft. And he has just been such an integral part of Calgary's success over the years. He is unmistakable when he is on the floor. You hate him when he is on the opposing team. You love him when he's wearing your colors. Off ball, there aren't too many better. He doesn't need the ball in his stick very long to be effective. And when it is, you better hope you have underneath help because Dane Dolby gets underneath better than most. And if you're a goaltender, you always had to make sure you had the short side post covered when Dane Doby came around the top because he loved to throw that sneaky backhand. What a great player Dane Doby is. I truly believe that he will go down as one of the best off-ball players. He'll probably be a Hall of Famer. Well, at least a roughneck Ring of Honor guy. Hall of Fame is another question, but I think you can't deny it. He's won Cups. He's now the all-time leading scorer for the franchise. A career high of 90 points back in 2014 when he became a 51-goal scorer, joining a very elite club. And what a night it was for Dane Doby. If only he would have had a shot in overtime for a chance to win it for the Roughnecks, would have capped an even better night. So this brings up a quick question and a poll. Who do you think is the best all-time off-ball player? I'll give you some names. We'll throw Doby in there. Kurt Miloski, Ted Dowling, I've heard Kevin Dostey, and probably my favorite off-ball player of all time, Sean Williams. Just look at the numbers he put up alongside John Grant Jr. to know how good an off-ball player he was. So, who is your favorite off-ball player of all time? Because there's a ton out there. And I would love to hear everybody's thoughts on who you think is the best off-ball player in National Lacrosse League history. Heck, even lacrosse history. Because some guys back in the day may not have dabbled in the National Lacrosse League. One game left on the schedule, and that was the Vancouver-Georgia game. And it actually was a fairly entertaining lacrosse game. Even though Georgia was in control of that contest all night long, the compete level of the Vancouver Stealth was incredible. Even at halftime, when they were down a goal, you knew that they still had fight in them. There was fight in that dog, but it wasn't until Georgia put up six in the fourth for them to really pull away in that game. But when Jerome Thompson scored what ended up being the game-winning goal, Jake Elliott summed up Vancouver's performance quite nicely. And it's not a shot on his team. It's just the truth. And it was evident by that point in the contest.
3: Had his pass knocked down. Luck out. Foot race for it. Jason Noble's going to win it. He's got Jerome Thompson coming. Scores. There's that biggie we are
2: talking about. Up by four now with 9.53 to go. Georgia Swarm starting to
3: pull ahead. And you just start to wonder, Brad Chalmers, is maybe Vancouver starting to run out of gas after playing last night in altitude and a tough day of travel to go along with it. Georgia starting to pull away here in the fourth quarter.
0: How very true. And you have to feel for those guys in that Vancouver club because, you know what, the weekend that they went through and the effort that they put on was not indicative of the outcomes of those two games. They truly did deserve a better fate. But unfortunately, those two losses, they fall to 1-6. and But as we talked about, just a half game out of a playoff spot. And they'll go to Saskatchewan, This weekend, there'll be the Twitter game of the week and a chance to kind of upset things in the West a little bit. They'll get Saskatchewan coming off a game in Colorado, so they'll be the Georgia Swarm this time. They'll be the team sitting at home, waiting, resting, watching. While the rush will have to travel back from Denver all the way back to Saskatoon and play the next night. So an excellent opportunity for the Vancouver Stealth to go into Saskatchewan, maybe eke out or steal a win. They they tend to play quite well in the tune. And so we'll see. The four games that are this weekend, as mentioned, the Twitter game of the week is Vancouver at Saskatchewan on Saturday. We've mentioned Saskatchewan at Colorado on Friday. Also on Saturday, Calgary at Toronto. Uh, Rosie and I were speaking about that one. Those games are always well, um, att- well attended and well played. And then one of my favorite contests every year, Buffalo and Rochester, this time in Rochester, the I-90 battle, one of my favorites in the entire National Cross League. So pick your poise in which game you want to watch uh, Saturday early evening, Toronto and Calgary or Buffalo-Rochester. Then you get Vancouver and Saskatchewan at the end of the night. Uh, just so you know, Things have changed in Saskatchewan. John Fraser is back. He just announced earlier on Tuesday on Twitter that he's being brought back to be the color commentator for the Saskatchewan broadcast, along with Dave Thomas. So they will have the call from Saskatchewan. There are rumors that there will be a neutral Twitter group, a broadcast team calling games. Uh, this is something the National Cross League has been talking about for a while, having a neutral party at some arenas. And there's movement afoot. I've got a couple messages into the league to find out more about it. Um, They're kind of being hush-hush on things right now, or I might have just caught them when they were out of the office. Regardless, there's going to be some different-looking people and voices on some of the broadcasts coming up, so stay tuned. Keep your ears and eyes glued to your stereos and your computers. And you might see a familiar face or two. Your leading goal scorers, Adam Jones sits on 45 points. Tom Schreiber, 43, just two points back, followed by Mark Matthews and then Rob Hellier and Corey Small round out your top five in the National Lacrosse League. Crazy to think that Smalls is up there after the season that Vancouver is having, and he continues to put up numbers for that club. Um, you'd just like to see them maybe get a few more wins here or there, but as Jamie Batley said in the media, you know what? All we got to do is beat one team. Whether you like that train of thought or not, they really do only need to beat Calgary to get into the playoffs. So, forget about one and six if you're Vancouver. You're seven games in. You got eleven games left. If you go six and five in those last few games, you're probably going to make the playoffs. So, fill your cuff up, cup up halfway, Stealth fans, and look at the bright side. Uh, we talked a little bit about the Rush-Mammoth game uh, that's going to be on Friday night. That is going to be one heck of a contest. I'll have the call with John Gallant and Jamie Shuchuk. Uh, it, it's a game that could decide the early season tiebreaker between those two clubs. And you know Colorado would love to get a win. They haven't played against the Scousers very well at home the last few times they've played them. Uh, and the game three weeks ago, the Rush really exploited the Mammoth D and took advantage of Dylan Ward's side-to-side movement. One guy that really took advantage of all that was Robert Church. He had five points, three goals, two assists. His good buddy Ben McIntosh had two goals and eight assists. They have quite the chemistry going in a battle that is not just on the floor but off the floor as they are Fortnite battlers. If you don't know what Fortnite is, ask your kids. If you don't have kids, find a PS4, start playing Fortnite. Well, when I spoke with Church, I asked him, what was more important, getting the overtime win versus Calgary or that first Fortnite battle with Benny Mack?
4: It was obviously getting that win in overtime against Calgary. Uh, <laughs> okay, good. <we> could, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was the Fortnite win. Was a, that was with Ben as well. That was a pretty big win. But, uh, yeah, obviously the lacrosse game, uh, you know, we're, trying, we're kind of feeling it there at the end with uh, another lead, I guess, uh, getting away from us. So it was massive to get that win.
3: What what do you think
4: has caused that? You know, a lot of people are trying to figure out,
3: you know, maybe the Rush are, are a little more human than we thought. There's is it complacency? Is it maybe a little too overconfident or is it just teams finding their groove against you late in games?
4: I'm not sure. Uh I can't really pin it on one thing, but uh I'd say it was a Buffalo game. Uh Coach Keenan pointed out a couple of times, uh we were winning big at half, but if, if mm. you watch the game, it, it wasn't that's not the way it was. It could have easily been a closer game or even them ahead, but Kirkie kept us in all game. So, yeah, that wasn't our best game overall. And they started burying in the second half. But Calgary, uh, we played well in the first half. Uh, and then we just uh, ran into a brick wall with Del Bianco. And, you know, things mm. go bounces and go our way. And, you know, they came back. Those cool Clitlam guys always ruin the fun, don't they? Oh, yeah. He's a great
3: goalie. <laughs> He's got a good
4: future in the league. Absolutely does. Um, th- you
3: guys are a team that, that that is built from from front to back, back to front very solidly. Um, every year you guys make some changes and you guys never really seem to take a step back. How much does that help you guys coming into camp knowing that the roster is fairly set
4: and, and the chemistry is not going to change much? Yeah, I think we do things a little differently than some teams with, uh, you know, guys battling for for spots and then you know, like 50 guys on the floor at once, but uh, you know, we're still battling. Uh you know, we're never that's one of our, our, our best traces that we're never really happy with where we're at and especially coming off of the championship loss, we knew that we had a lot to work on and we had some new guys in, in Jeff Shatler that we need to get going into the offense and uh yeah, that's uh that's been a pretty pretty smooth transition so far and he's been a great fit. That
3: offense is clicking like uh maybe only one team better might be Toronto offensively, but um the group has come together and you mentioned Shatler. Who's fit in quite nicely. But you're also getting contributions out of the back end, especially from Adrian Sorchetti and Jeremy Thompson. How much that transition game spark
4: your offense? Yeah, our transition guys are great. Uh, one of the best part about them is, you know, those guys are maybe Jeremy a little less but with the face-offs. But Adrian's like a, he's a pretty pure defender, and all that mm-hmm. stuff he creates is out of out of defensive plays. He's not leaking earlier. Some, like you see some guys do, he's playing D and then just getting up to forward speed and making great plays
3: it's fun to watch you guys because it's very unselfish. And, and I keep saying this whenever I watch your offense play that nobody moves the ball as well as you guys do. And that could be, you know, a motive from coach Keenan, but
4: that is all on you guys as well. How fun is it to play in that offense? Yeah, it's great. We, uh, ever since I joined the team, I guess it's my fifth year now, we were, uh, we always talked about how we were in offense by committee. Sorry about that. No worries. So, uh, you know, everyone gets involved. Uh, you know, Mark Matthews obviously gets some more touches, and, you know, and we're fine with that. But uh, he's one of the most unselfish superstars mm-hmm. in the league. And, it, uh, you know, I mean, we're very structured, and uh, it helps. Uh, we know what we're doing every time we go out there, and I think that uh, makes it a little difficult for, for defenses. It's funny to look at your top six or seven guys. If you take Shatler out,
3: that your top six or seven guys are all 2011 Minto Cup players. That's a pretty cool dynamic that you guys have, you know, the Coquitlam-Whitby balance. Is there a
4: rivalry between the East and West guys a little bit? Uh, not really. We kind of just – we always uh, – us Westerners always kind of chirp the, the Eastern guys <laughs> and they get the preferential treatment a little bit, but yeah, uh, nothing like that. We got some uh, – we do a lot of shooting competitions in practice, so that's where we get uh, most of our competition in our team. Uh, a
3: guy like Matty Dinsdale
4: goes under the radar a lot. Do you still call him Marty or do you, does he prefer Matthew? Marty, I don't think I've ever called him anything but <laughs> that's since what Pee Wee, I'd say for sure Pee Wee.
3: Yeah. How cool is it that we talked about the you know the, the amount of your guys that have been on the Minto Cup team in 2010, 2011, they're now in Saskatchewan. But the number of guys like yourself and Dinsdale who grew up together from Pee Wee on in that Coquitlam system, that's got to be pretty
4: cool to be playing with guys you grew up with yeah me Ben, marty jess have pretty much been uh on the same team whether it be minor or, or junior since since yeah Wee, and uh yeah you know it's been incredible to grow up with them and, and see the uh like how good of players they've turned into a guy like marty doesn't get the some of the credit like other guys but i mean if you watch a game you can see how much stuff he does to open up everyone else and, and get the opportunities he buries but yeah he's he's great to play with and yeah, I can't say I'm good things about those guys.
3: Looking ahead, uh, a massive weekend for you guys. I know you're not going to give me too many scouting reports against the game Friday for against Colorado, but you know this is a big weekend for you guys. Two Western Division battles. What's the message
4: from Coach K going into a road game in hostile territory? Yeah, we definitely just want to uh, first and foremost put together a full 60 minutes. That's going to be our biggest uh, our biggest thing is is just putting together 60 and you know having a good start and, and playing through the whole game. Uh, Colorado's a great team. Uh, I think we're going to see a lot closer for a matchup than we did a couple weeks ago. Uh, they're going to make some adjustments, obviously. We'll make some too, but, you know, Jeremy Noble and Vanessa those guys are, are firing all cylinders. And Bill Ward is uh, an extremely good goaltender. So, I think we're going to see a better outing out of him. And he's going to
3: make it a lot harder on us to score some goals.
4: Yeah, you guys
3: really had his number uh three weeks ago. What was Coach McComb's sort of... uh Mental thought process for you guys, because you guys shot the ball against Dylan better than anybody I'd see Yeah, I think that was.
4: Uh, I mean, we did a little bit of our research with scouting, but I mean, we were putting the ball in good spots and, yeah, you know, getting the getting the ball swinging, and it's hard on any goalie. I don't think that, but I don't, you know Dylan, I don't know, he's he's an excellent goalie, and you know, you have to get him to move because if you're letting them stand there and score up with you, you're you're gonna have a tough night. Vancouver on Saturday at home. Uh it, it's always fantastic
3: playing at home in Saskatoon in Saskatoon but um do you guys do you guys look
4: ahead or do you guys solely
3: focused on Colorado right
4: now We're definitely just focused on Colorado. It's a yeah. huge matchup uh in this league if you start looking ahead of teams especially someone as good as Colorado you run into trouble. So we just got to focus on Friday and then when that game's over with then we can uh put some more attention on to Vancouver.
3: Uh, it'll be nice for you to get home Sunday in time for the Super Bowl. Do you have a favorite or a team you're hoping to see win? Are you a Brady uh, guy?
4: No, uh, I went to school in Philadelphia, so I got that connection. So I'm yeah. cheering for those guys and get some of those college roommates. They've been uh, they've had some some tough years as Eagles fans, so <laughs> it would be nice to see them get a win for those guys. How are the the Dragons going to do this year down in Philly? Uh I honestly, uh, I'm not. Kind of feel like I'm. This is the first year I, I don't really. No one even on the team. Uh, yeah. Ever since I graduated, I had the Cole Schaefer connection. So uh, I haven't followed them as much as I'd probably like to. But, uh, you know, I think Coach, Coach Volcker will, will do a good job with those guys. And uh, every year they've kind of been uh, an underdog. They seem to do a little better. So hopefully they can get some wins. Uh, they got a pretty tough schedule, but hopefully they make some noise in the NCAA. What was Coach Volcker like?
3: Because he was a, a dominant American player for years back in the, the mid to late
4: 90s. Yeah, he was. Uh, very laid back guy. Yeah, definitely knows his stuff. Uh, you know, he loves to talk lacrosse, and he'd always joke about his box days. But <laughs> he's one of those guys where I honestly don't think I ever saw him with a stick in his hand as a coach. It was kind of strange. Really? You know, you hear all these stories about how dominant he was and he used to guard Gary Gate back in the world. But you know, he's very humble and never really talked about that part or you have to hear it from other everyone else.
3: Yeah, Fortnite. Well, I
4: got to talk about this because i I think
3: I'm over 200 battles and my best finish is like seven. How did you and Benny Mac
4: pull off a Fortnite win? Yeah, it was uh, it was me, Benny, and two of our other buddies from home that uh, we've been playing the last probably two three weeks. You know, we get hour hour and a half of at a night when uh, you know we're done with dinner and we got we got a couple second place finishes last week and then we got that one this week and it was, it was we were pretty fired up. And then, uh, <laughs> I bet. Yeah, when you mentioned me earlier, I, was, I said I started to think it was never going to happen. We just yeah. kind of fall a little bit short, but it was, it was a great feeling.
3: It's a pretty darn addicting game, isn't it?
4: It is. It, it took a little bit uh, for us to get going, but now we've been playing, yeah, we, we look forward to it every night.
0: Fortnite, it's an adventure that you'll never understand until you play it and die within five seconds of landing. And then you'll play it again and die again and then play again, and then you'll last like three minutes and maybe kill somebody, and then you'll die again. Trust me, it's as addicting as it sounds. But we're running out of time here. I want to thank Rosie. I want to thank Robert Church. And as always, want to thank you, the fan, for tuning in and listening each and every week here on SoundCloud and NLL Radio. Who is your all-time off-ball player? And will Tom Schreiber become the first American to win the NLL scoring title? Let me know at off the crossbar or email me teddy.jenner at gmail.com. Four games on the docket this weekend. Enjoy each and every one of them. We will talk to you next week. Be excellent to each other.